Welcome to the return of the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Episode... I don't know where we ended up last time or if we're just starting over. Are we just starting episode with episode one? Well, I think last week was... Well, maybe that last week was episode zero. That was like point five. Yeah. That was, that was the, the point. We five. lost track. Cause the, the, other, the, old, <laughs> the old show doesn't count anymore. Those files are dead, so... This is episode number one. Oh, there we go. I like it. And, uh, you know, our previous episode that was supposed to be just kind of a test to make sure all the systems were working and everything was uh, going properly. You didn't know, even know we were going to go uh, put it up online. I kind of sprung that on you on the last second. So we're already in mid-season form. I don't know what. Indeed. I thought it, I thought it turned out well. I thought it turned out really well, too. I mean, it went into our usual first. Let's talk about uh, TV shows and that end up kind of randomly creeping up. I mean, so um, I, I do have to say we did get a lot of uh, good feedback on Twitter um, from from people who were very excited about our return. And so uh, what? Wh- you know, Whiskey got- Dave and who, who are the-, the usual? Yeah, the yeah, usual three. Yeah, Dan, Dan Jacobson oh, and yeah. you know the gang got, of three. Got quite a few there. Yeah, but there's a, a couple more out of the woodwork that kind of came out and said that, um, hey, we're excited to have you back. And I'm like, hey, all right. So, you know, it's just um, it, it's just great because I think my wife was just sick of me talking uh, her ear off about it. So I, I get to just throw it out into the masses. So, Well, that's good. And for all of our haters, uh, I guess you'll have to put up with us. Or not, uh, you, you'll just continue to ignore us as you did in the past. But glad to be. What are you talking? We don't have we don't have haters. Yeah. Everybody loves us. That's right. New season going to be underway here. We actually got what St. Thomas coming up. Correct. First ever first ever D one games for St. Thomas. So Huskies get to christen uh, the D one era for Minnesota's newest college hockey team. The Rico, Rico Blasi, the, the Fighting Ricos, going up. The Fighting Re- I like it. If you want to jump in to talk about this Husky hockey team, you know, kind of first and foremost, what are your thoughts? What are your fears? What are your What are your concerns? What are you excited for? Kind of, you know, just just looking at everything. Where Where is your excitement meter as we start the season? Where Where is it gauging? Coming off of the Natty appearance, I think it's. Uh... Yeah, I think it's uh, at a healthy optimism. Talking about fears, I-, I will say when I saw the whatever the coaches or media poll for the conference, which came out last week or two weeks ago, or whatever that had the Huskies number one, I kind of was like, oh, I-, I don't like that. Uh, uh, Huskies are typically better, kind of as the underdog. We don't have to rehash 2018 and 2019 for more data about that. But that's just me as a uh, uh, as, as an insane fan, I guess. I, I rather would it seem like a third place prediction and, and then and then play up to number one. but there's only you can only go down uh, from predict, uh, predicting number one. But in all seriousness, well, I think um, that's that's the Minnesota that's the Minnesota sports fan in pretty much everyone is right. like, oh, we've got expectations. Well, this sucks. <laughs> Everything's Correct. gonna go to hell now. Correct. But no, I think that coming off the 
uh, NCAA run last year. And the fact that, I mean, most importantly, I, I think it's tough to have momentum from a previous season play into the next season. I don't really buy into that theory uh, so much. But the more important fact is that this is essentially the same team returning. Uh, you didn't re- really lose much. You lost Will Hammer and and Cockrell from last year's team. Role players, I think Will Hammer, his role really expanded in the NCAAs uh, to kind of a crazy degree. Um but it's not like you're losing your top scores there. Uh, and, you know, you're bringing in, because you're not losing many guys, you're not bringing in a ton, but, you know, you're bringing in guys like Jack Pert, uh, who I'm really excited to see. Uh, obviously, of the freshmen, he's clearly, I think, the the one with the most hype, him being Mr. Hockey um, uh, last year and, and high second-round draft pick, I believe, um, by the Wild. So really excited to see uh, to see him play, uh, and you have like I said that nucleus of the team re- pretty much all returning uh, this year. You have Easton Bradzinski with a broken leg. I'm not expecting him to be back on opening day. I haven't seen updates on that, but uh, that's a big injury for him to recover. But he'll return at some point, um, you know. And you, you got that defensive core uh, anchored by Perbix and. You know, guys like Bushy, Meyer, uh, who I thought those guys, that unit really uh, step, made a big step up uh, last year. Uh, Horanak, who I've been on the fence about uh, over his career, you know, he obviously had a great NCAA run. Um, even the championship game, I don't think you can really blame a lot uh, on him. Well, and he's when a two defenders crash into... <laughs> when two defenders crash into each yeah, other, crash and, each other, you know, kind of create a breakaway. There's not a lot a goalie can do in that situation. Again, I've been trying to black that game out. I thought there, one of those goals was a little weak, but it, I mean, it, it really didn't make much of a material difference. That that game was was lost uh, pretty early for the Huskies. Um, so I mean, you have a fifth year goalie uh, who'll probably break all kinds of records just because for for longevity's sake. Um, and he's obviously going to be a, a big uh, key on how far the Huskies go this year. Um, so using the experience factor and the, um, you know, kind of getting the the taste of uh, a long postseason run last year and not not attaining the uh, the ultimate prize, hopefully that that core of seniors and now grad students I guess it's like a new class of player um the the older uh, the veteran uh, core uh, I think that um they've got a they've got a real chance to to finish that business so to speak so I'm as uh, optimistic as I really have been um as a Minnesota sports fan and as a Husky fan that's used to heartbreak um how about you? Well, what's your initial take on the uh, 21-22 Huskies? There's a couple of points that you made that I that I want to circle back to. Um, first off, um, really everything about Renek and, you know, there's always been a, a little bit of animosity, I feel, towards him with, throughout the fan base. 
And I don't know if that comes into him having such high um, expectations when he came in or people just feeling that he hasn't lived up to it or that he doesn't make the spectacular save nearly as often as they feel he should. Um, I've always kind of been on the on more of the side of he gives up some squeakers, he's but he's good, not great. Um but I like like you said, it was after what in the first game of the NCHC tournament against Colorado College, he le- lets in that one just outside the blue line. And Huskies what were down one nothing at that point. And at, that's where I was like, okay, well, you know, I've been defending him. You know, if we kind of drop this, like, the, the, like after Colorado College had, like, eight players, I think, on the bench or something. Like, it was something. Re- yeah, and they had, like, seven, um, seven total shots in that game. Yeah. I was like, well, there's really no coming back from this. Um, and ju- from that goal on, I thought the rest of, the year that he played was just, just great. Um, so I really hope he just builds off that, builds off that momentum, and um, he can kind of put everybody um, and everyone's worries in the Huskies fan base kind of, kind of, kind of put that to bed. Um, I felt that there was a big transition in the defense from the Motsko era to the Larson era, and I think that in that transition, I thought that. A little more, you know, the goalie kind of fell by the wayside and was left off to dry probably too many times. And obviously, when a goal is scored, everyone just points right to the goalie. Oh, it's their fault. Well, I think it was more of the defensive breakdowns and 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 not getting used to that that really put everything kind of upside down. So um, that's kind of where I stand on Redick. Um, I, I, I like him. I, I think he's serviceable enough. And like you said, yeah, he's going to break all these records, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I think we've got the defensive core, you know, and the program, you know, his Larson's methods and whatnot is established. So, I, I and obviously with Shyak too, I mean, you know, making uh, Anchorage, you know, somewhat – I don't want to say like they were competitive, but you know they definitely played above to their standards. You know, many times throughout his head coaching career, and him, you know, kind of being in charge of the defense here, it's uh, you know I, I think all the pieces are in place to for a good, um, you know, for for that to continue, and then the goaltending to be you know better as well. So you know, I, I just think people need to lay off Frenick. A, a little bit more, and and that's kind of my plea to the fan bases and whatnot. So. Yeah, I, I will until he gives up that first bleeder. Um, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give him a... like that just that 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 runs through his armpit and just kind of slowly trickles across. He's got to lead St. Cloud State in goals that don't hit the back of the net. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> they just kind kind of get in. And then just stop right before they actually hit the back of the net, but still cross the line. Um, but, you know, you made an interesting point about how, you know, yeah, we lost a couple of uh, role players, you know, and, you know, we'll get to our new additions here, um, you know, and, you know, of who we brought in to kind of fill some of those roles as well. But 
you know, my main concern and my main worry is that we didn't, we, we didn't really, we weren't in the position to enjoy college hockey free agency, which is what I'm dubbing this free transfer window, this free transfer year people got that they could um, kind of shuffle around and other, um, other teams could really address and go after players that enter the transfer portal um, of uh, needs that need to be filled for that team. And we didn't have that opportunity. So I worry, my main concern is that, you know, we are always at a level that's, you know, an eight, eight and a half out of 10, um, you know, and maybe some of these teams that we're operating, um, you know, at an eight, eight and a half, maybe a seven, finally got that one piece to push them up above to a nine. Um, and, and we kind of find ourselves maybe taking a little bit of a step back this year. That, that's a little bit of my concern. Um, I don't really see a lot of other Huskies fan voicing this. You're talking like scoring depth? Uh, uh, you know, what uh, What area you think that was the most glaring for the Huskies that you think the uh, you know, a transfer could have uh, could have helped the most? And, and, and that's the thing is that I, I – it, it was a situation where Larson was just, you know, it was a catch-22 for him. You know, you either – try to bring in somebody that's a difference maker and then cut somebody off of a, a title appearance team. Um, or you don't do anything and you risk just other teams getting better to leapfrog you. I'm more concerned about other teams getting better leapfrogging us than we should have gone out and grabbed someone. Cause I think Larson ultimately did the right thing and didn't, you know, say, okay, you can, you know, we're, 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 you know, that, that they, he kept most of the same roster. Um, but, you know, it wouldn't have been necessarily the end of the world if somebody did end up moving on or a senior ended up graduating that was a key player that they could have brought something up that maybe had a little bit of a different facet um, to the game that could have made a little bit more, more of an impact. I still, I still feel this team is missing a game break. You know, somebody who we could count on in the late stages to turn it up and get that goal. Um, I, I feel like it's a little bit by committee. And if one would have been available, um, you know, who knows if they would have came to us. And, there, you know, we can talk about all these what ifs and, and you know, to the cows come home. But that's it. It's just a situation here that that without that game breaker, I, I worry that we're going to be down in key situations and we're not going to be able to muscle it out. Um, so that's that's a little bit of the concerns with this team that I have. Um, but you know, who knows what's going to happen here at the uh, at the you know when when we go through the season. Was that game breaker type? Was one of those available? Uh, you know, for for a transfer situation, I'm not so far up on. I know that Zach Driscoll uh, landed at North in North Dakota, um, but I didn't follow the the transfer kind of shuffle situation so well, especially in the in the NCHC. Is there was there was there one of those kind of guys available? And do you have? 
you know, and I, a team that did pick up one of these kind of guys that that you that you uh, are kind of jealous of. No, because I, th- I think it's kind of. I mean, <laughs> free agency is maybe not the best term for this, you know. Uh, but I don't think it's all that reasonable to think that a game-changing goal scorer is going to be available for you in the transfer portal. A lot of these guys are. The shame is Donahue, O'Donohue types, or excuse me, Donahue, and then uh, Cockrell from last year. You know, these are kind of role players. Uh, they did bring in, Huskies did bring in a uh, Robert Morris, um, former Robert Morris player, Spolacy. Um, those are kind of, and, and, sure and goalies, he, I mean, goalies and, in it, particular, are kind of the ones that are really the main players in this uh, transfer situation. I'm just not really sure you're going to get a top line forward. Uh, in in one of these transfers, but maybe I, maybe through, I'm wrong. Through the transfer window, there were some available. Um, now obviously I can just say that, and I don't have any type of list in front of me. But I remember at the end of last season, just seeing all of the names of the people who entered the transfer portal, just thinking of how many really good players and ended up shuffling teams and whatnot. And I just worry that some teams in the NCHC just got a little bit better while we stayed stagnant. And again, that's not bad because of where we ended up. Um, but it's, it was, it was just kind of an interesting conundrum that Brett Larson, I thought was in. And I thought, again, I, I thought he did the right thing. Uh, but you know, just seeing all the names of the transfer portal at the, at the end of last year, just seeing you know that their options were open for recruitment again was just, Kind of, kind of interesting, kind of eye-opening. Yeah, you'd be you'd be more up on that uh, than I would. Um, from my uh, rose uh, cardinal black tinted glasses, I'd like to think that guys like Mietinen, Cranola, uh, your your run and gun type of forwards, you know, I'm hoping that they can take a step up uh, for this year, and maybe they can, you know, increase their scoring by a little bit of a percentage and and maybe you make up some of that uh that that game changing type of offense you make it up uh in in those uh, types of players um so yeah i mean it's it's definitely a new era uh in college sports with uh with these transfers and you know it's i don't think that i, I don't think that larson is falling behind necessarily i mean he's dipped his toe in the in the transfer portal in the past not so much in the let's say game changing player type of uh transfer but it seems like he's getting uh, uh acquainted with the new system and i don't think he's he's going to be a liability or you know ignore that potential well of talent um and but so we'll see if that if that does, if that does become a, a liability for this season. But I, I'm I'm staying hopeful that the in-house uh, the in-house roster is capable of taking that step no. up. Sure, and that makes sense. Um, and again, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But looking at the team, the the, the names of the people who transferred. Now, granted, I got yeah, this, will this be helpful. off of. I, I I got this off of. Um, off of Reddit, so already put a huge asterisk on this. Um, it is the front page of the internet, and that means that it, it, it is everything front, front everything page. is true. I, I mean, I'm not going to – that's right up there with all the news that's fit to print is 
the front page. Of the it's great that you're going to Reddit for this instead of, say, USCHO or College <laughs> Hockey News. Shout out to, At to those guys. At least these are ho- college hockey fans. There you go. So, um, but, like, Bowling Green was hit really hard from transfers. And, I mean, they had four players on Bowling Green here that over 100 points in their career now play on different teams. Um, Bentley's leading scorer, over 100 points. He's on a different team. I mean, Brandon McManus, who was at the Gophers, is now playing for Omaha. So, I mean, there's a lot of shuffling along along those lines as well. I mean, I would have I would have taken McManus on this team. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a brave new world out there. Um, yeah, I mean, Brandon Brandon Cruz, 142 points. He's on Boston College. Max Johnson. 122 points. He's in Wisconsin. Connor Ford, 114 points. He's playing at North Dakota. And Cameron Wright, 101 points. He's playing at Denver. Yeah, so, I mean, there are a couple of NCHC teams in there uh, active and picking up these kind of players. Mm-hmm. Bowling Green had four players that ended the season more than a hundred points in their career. They've had a decent run there, you know, and you know, and they're playing in, in a conference where you're going to rack up some points against Huntsville and Anchorage and, and, and those. Yeah, that's true. It's a, it's not the top, top conference, but, but yeah, uh, I just think from, from Larson's perspective, he's probably thinking that he wasn't losing much and, um, yeah, you know it's tough to bring in a, you know, yeah, especially at the college level. I mean, a lot of it is chemistry, uh, and it's it's hard to kind of plug one guy in, especially like a top six guy like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that they if they made that a priority, I think they could have made it work. Um, yep. But it sounds like, you know, Larson likes uh, likes what he already had, and then you know, of course, if you if you bring in a bunch of transfers, you're telling potential recruits that we don't got room for you. And there's a there's yeah. a trade-off there. A guy like Pert, I mean, defense, we're not talking about a forward here, but he was always going to come. But these other freshmen, I see Salquist, Ryan Rouseboro, uh, the Lutke kid from Minnetonka. I mean, if you bring in one of these Bowling Green types, let's say, transfers, um, you know, one of those guys – doesn't have a spot and maybe he decommits and you might lose, you might lose a four year guy for one year of, you know, a third line center or something like that. So there's a trade off in, uh, inherent in that. And we don't know if that's the right decision or not. We won't know until they play the games. Uh, but um, yeah. And, and again, you know, I've got full faith in Larson and what he's been able to do yeah. so far. So. Well, I guess we haven't really talked. We've never talked. We never had a podcast until I guess the the point zero five podcast last week. We haven't talked in the in the Brett Larson era uh, in this podcast. And yeah, I, I thought last year uh, especially um, gave me a good feeling about about Larson. Um, obviously, that first year inheriting m- much of the the Motsko 
roster and pipeline, uh, number one overall seed, don't have to rehash American International, the disaster that was. Second year was uh, was a, a struggle for him, essentially like a 500 year. Um, and then last year, uh, I think he showed a lot as far as, I mean, first of all, a, a very difficult year for everybody involved, just with, you know, playing that first month in Omaha in a, in a pod situation that no one's really ever had to do that before. Navigating through that, and then that second half of the year, you know, there's a lot of uh, trials and tribulations uh, at play last year. And then when you get to the NCAAs, uh, I, I was impressed um, with with Larson uh, and his game plan. Although I will say, I was a little maybe not frustrated. Just yeah, he he seemed to that third period against Boston College, um, where he kind of did this two attacker trap thing in the third period, worked it to perfection. He seemed to really fall in love with that, and he, he I thought that Mankato game, he went at a different game plan than he had the rest, the rest of the season. He tried to use that that last half of the BC game, copy and paste that into the Frozen Four. They were fortunate to get, get by a tough Mankato team, um, but I'm wondering if he kind of overthought things there in the Frozen Four, but... On the whole, for the for the whole season, I was really impressed with, uh, and, and as you were saying about the defensive uh, structure that he's been able to instill, I agree that Shyak it was a great hire. I liked uh, Gibbons, but it was clear that Gibbons' preferences for defense was a skillsy, um, offensive-minded, the Jack Ashan type, whereas I think that Shyak's um, uh, more grit and physical um, style of play, I think, is uh, was a big reason for their success last year. So just the overarching, I might have some issues with you know, you know, the game plan for for the Frozen Four, but from the overarching whole season and, and what I can tell as far as what his philosophy is and and just his uh, the way that the players uh, buy into his system, which I think is clear. That really gives me some hope. Um, that and then I think he's also shown a, a deft hand at recruiting. Uh, I don't think that that has dropped off uh, significantly. Um, so, again, it takes a while to to uh, evaluate a a coach in college. I mean, really, you gotta you gotta take you know at least five years to get a full recruiting class through. I think to properly evaluate him and we're not quite there yet this will be his fourth year um but uh the early returns i think are very promising and um and i'm excited to see what he can do as far as uh, okay we got to the title game there's one more step there to uh to surmount you know to get to the top let's see if he can if he can do that um so i've i've been uh, i've been impressed with the early returns and how about you yeah and i just feel I feel like the teams, you know, so far, especially the last couple of years, they just, they've learned to play a little more cohesively. Yeah. Um, and they, they seem to be the, the offense and the defense and everyone seems to be out, you know, kind of on the same page in what they're trying to do. I thought that Motsko and his system was a little bit more helter-skelter at time, which led to a lot of excitement. 
Um, but you know that 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 just throws spaghetti at the wall kind of style. I think can kind of kind of go so far, and it's you know I, I think it's just you know the cohesiveness everybody has uh, has shown, especially like you said, you know, during some of those you know tournament games, Boston, Boston, you know, Boston College, even when Brodzinski goes down, you know, it was you know everyone was pretty much still kind of in the same and on the same stride and on the same step about what, what they've got to do. So, um, that's, I mean, that's key, especially in, in pressure situations like that. So it's, I don't know. I'm loving what I'm seeing so far and, um, I'm excited to see, uh, see more so far. It's been a knock, a knock out of the park. there, uh, hire for Heather. Uh, Yeah. Agreed. Um, so when we, you know, kind of here we can go one of two ways. Um, you know, we can kind of go through the preseason media poll, uh, just kind of run through that quickly, or we can just talk about um, this Huskies team and then go into the preseason media poll. Which which one do you want to go to first? Well, we, we were kind of talking about the Huskies for a while, um, so we could, we could transition into talking about the conference as a whole. Do want to preview a bit of the uh, the St. Thomas series as well, uh, season opening series. Uh, yeah, we could talk about the NCHC poll. How about that? Yeah, Huskies pick to finish first, twenty out of twenty five. Uh, first place votes. Um, other other first place votes. Uh, three went to Minnesota Duluth. One went to North Dakota. One went to Denver. Which after their lackluster season uh last year it looks like uh, that one denver fan is still going to be beating that drum but uh we can go uh bottom up um starting starting at uh, last place picked for last would be colorado college no real surprise there i mean it's really colorado college or miami could it be duking out there for the basement um, new colorado college again new coach new there. arena new, new coach um you know maybe maybe less COVID issues uh, maybe they would have to deal with that a little bit less this year. Um, That's right. But uh, yeah, it's. I, I think that that you know, I'm just looking at it as a fan. You know, from from way back in you know early 2000s, when you know you had Sterling and Sanya and Surtich and whatnot, and it, it it's just kind of surprising to see how Colorado College has fallen. Yeah, and the. Uh... Mike Havland era uh, wasn't much of an improvement. They they had one, I think, one year there where you know sixth place or something, and well, maybe they're back. And then last year was kind of a return to to uh, the basement or close to it. I think they were seventh last year. I believe Miami was was eighth. Um, and the head coach during all those really good years, Scott Owens. Right. I mean he he didn't he didn't do Havland any favors. I mean he was pretty much on his way out he left a bear covered right covered there and you think that with a uh, with a new facility uh uh new coach chris mayot i believe he's he's um been an assistant coach out east i think he was at lowell when they hired him maybe providence uh, he's been at a, a a couple of couple of eastern teams and he seems his name seems to pop up for final as a finalist for 
for head coaching jobs over the last few years. So I think it was about just a matter of time until he got a head job. Uh, obviously don't know a ton about him and, and the fact that he's he's not all that familiar with the NCHC. I think there's going to be probably a adjustment period there, not only just from his you know in-game coaching, but his uh, recruiting you know, and, and his recruiting f- footprint. Uh, so that's kind of an unknown as far as we, we're not sure what to expect there, but I don't, as you said, I don't expect it to be higher than seventh. Uh, just not a ton, uh, not a, not a, not a great base to, to work off of. And they were, I mean, under Havland, if they, if they had a identity, it was kind of this, you know, run and gun, you know, they, they could score some goals, um, but they'd give up a bunch, um, tough to really kind of gauge what exactly that program uh uh is is really like so yeah if uh if if this new facility and new coach kind of you know gives them a a new start uh it'll be it'll be good for them but um yeah i I would not expect a a ton out of the tigers this year uh was the assistant uh coach uh for providence when they okay. won the uh 2015 title where was um, he Ben had a had a cup of coffee at michigan okay um so was he, I mean, at, he's... was he at lowell when they hired him he wasn't on lowell nope st lawrence then providence michigan then colorado college so they hired a goalie coach at cornell so they hired him from michigan yep okay so i guess he's i mean he's been in the in the western western leagues at least um for some reason, I thought he was at maybe I don't know. For some reason, I thought he was at Lowell, Lowell for some reason. But anyway, uh, that's why you come to this podcast for for the for that's the why, facts. That's why exactly you get your facts from Reddit too. So that's right. Uh, Miami uh, coming up there at seventh again. Kind of no surprise. Um, You know, Miami's always a team that I just, I never really know what to make of it or kind of make of them. It's, I always feel they have like a couple of really stud players, but just the rest of the team is always just kind of a mess. (laughs) It's kind of the best way that I can kind of. Yeah. The, the, uh, the reason I'd give them the edge over CC is their goalie is pretty good. Um, person, uh, who I believe was, was named the, um, preseason like uh first team goalie which is surprising usually usually that kind of uh player is not from a you know second you know second half of the division or or the league um team he's a good goalie and uh you know teams that have he'll steal some games yeah he'll steal some games and yeah if if you don't have the a great team up top you can win a one nothing two two one game here and there with a with a stud goalie. So, um, just knowing that they have a pretty solid guy in net, uh, I give them the edge over CC. But yeah, and and another relatively new coach there, Bergeron, um, who's still sort of feeling his uh, um, getting getting acquainted uh, in Miami. I think this will be his third year. Um, third year, yep. So he's being able to get his kind of system in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, again, I 
they're they're going to be one of those teams. It's and even St. Cloud over the last, you know, since they've been in the league, Miami's generally been last or second to last, but they always seem to give the Huskies a, a tough series. Um, so it's it's never. It's never, you know, you're not going to just go in there uh, and and win eight to one. Um, you, you're going to have to fight yeah. it out. So, yeah. Well, there was one year where, yeah, Huskies won the Penrose and then we got Miami in the first round, and then we got swept. That was, Miami. That was the first year. Uh, and that was, I remember because Kevin Gravel yeah. scored point one uh, point with one point seven. one left to force overtime and then I think we lost what a minute and a half into overtime or something like that um but I, I remember that because that was a weird year because Miami at the beginning of that year was picked near the top I think they were picked number one but 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 they had so many injuries um you know Blake Coleman went down um who else was on that line oh that's gonna bug me uh, yeah, who was the? Uh, this is like eight years ago, so you're you're stretching my. <laughs> but I, they had a they had a real good top line. Um, and they they were all I mean they were picked number one because they I think they had won the CCHA last year or two coming into the NCHC. Um, God, was his name like Carson or something? First oh, uh, Zarnick. Zarnick, yeah, Austin. Zarnick, I mean, they had right. they had Zarnick, they, they had Barber, they had Corrali, Coleman. Barber, I mean, that yep. was a loaded lineup, and then they just got. They brought in, I think, Bel Belpedio. Yeah, Belpedio, I think was was maybe not on that team, but he came in. He had a good run for them. He was like their best player for a couple of those years. Yeah, it never really worked out for Miami coming into that that conference. They had one that that second year. Uh, would have been 15. They won the NCHC tournament. That was the year that they beat the Huskies in the title game for the tournament. Um, and I think they were second place in the conference, um, made it to the NCAAs uh, that year. Miami started out that season 6-2-1 and one as well. The first year? Uh, yeah. So they even started off hot, and then they got in the injuries, then... Then they go loss win loss 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 tie win loss win loss 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 tie loss loss. Oh man, yeah, they went into a stretch there in December to January where they only won two games. Yeah, it was a struggle, uh, and then yeah, like I said, that second year they they made the tournament, um, but then after that, I think it, I don't think they finished higher than seventh. So the since then, Blasi was fired uh, at the end of, must have been 2019. Oh, that's right. Then they beat North Dakota at the, uh, in the in the frozen faceoff. They beat North Dakota 3 nothing, and then they lost to Denver 4-3. to Yeah, that first year was so weird. Denver... That's right, because North Dakota, North Dakota had to wait to see, because they were on the bubble. They had to win a third. And the, uh, the they had to win bowl. the third place game, I believe, against Western, Western Michigan. Michigan. Yep. And they had Wisconsin had to win the Big Ten, which I was think taking that's place in right. And so, then I think I think it, Dakota beat Wisconsin in the tournament. Yep. <laughs> as a four seed. So if if what 
Yeah. So if Wisconsin would have lost that game, because I think the auto bid would have gone to Ohio State, who was not in the tournament, so they would have taken. So, that, yeah, that was a weird year. And I think that well, Denver won the tournament, and I think they were the yep. sixth seed. And I think what or did did they play? Was it Miami in the title game? Yeah, yeah, it must have. Yeah, so it was a six versus eight in the title game that year. Which, uh, which was weird. And Denver only won four to three. Yeah. Yeah, it took a while for the conference to really cement itself. That first year, it kind of looked <laughs> like this super conference was kind of a bit of a flop. But it's come to, it's coming into its own uh, over the last uh, several yeah. years. Exactly. So, so that was your uh, Miami Red Hawk uh, light history. <laughs> We're glad. To- <laughs> Glad to put that, uh, get that back in your mind. So where were we at? Um, so that's kind of like six. There's a big six gap place. between you know seven and six to or seven and eight to six at Western Michigan. Which what another new coach there? Another new coach. Kind of surprised that Murray stepped down. Not. So much that he stepped down, but just the timing, which I think was in like a month ago. I think it was in August. You, typically, when you got a resignation, it's you know a week or two after the season ends. But uh, kind of stretched it over, over the summer. I am going to butcher that guy's name. Is it Hirschweiler? Feschweiler, who's been a uh, assistant. Uh, there for a while um possibly was being groomed for the head job murray's obviously not the youngest coach wonder i wonder what happened what, what he's doing i bet he's gonna stay in the game somewhere or a scout or something but he had had enough in kalamazoo which i thought was a decent run for him um made the tournament at least once or twice um he's bringing in some pretty good recruits uh, Allison and and whatnot. They had a decent little run there for a season or two. Still weren't able to win a tournament game. They still have not won an NCAA tournament game, um, which is crazy. They go back to like the 70s too. Uh, so, and they, I, I like Miami, a team that is never very fun to play, even if they're not necessarily a, a spectacular uh, team. Last year the in the Last year, was uh, St. Cloud kind of struggled against Western. Um, I can't remember what their record was against them, but it was not as good as you'd think it would be based on their records. Um, uh, so, yeah, using uh, using the assumption that the team is kind of going to play similar style as, as they had been under, under Murray, expect a... You know, a very physical team. Um, I wonder what their goalie situation was last year. That's kind of what screwed them last year is their goalie, uh, uh, blanking on his name, um, good goalie, and he got hurt, uh, I think, during a, a Huskies-Western Michigan game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So they were playing like their third – I think their second stringer got hurt too. They were, they were scra- scraping their depth – at the goalie position. Um, I should have done some more research 
about whether or not that goalie is back. But, uh, um, yeah, it's a, a tough team to play. And, um, yeah, for a, for a sixth-place team, they're are always a sneaky opponent to play. Yeah, they've had, you know, a couple of good years, you know, three years ago, two years ago. You know, they were finished in, you know, near the top half. I think they were finished in third place one year. Um, and then fourth place the COVID year. Were or when the tournament was canceled. Yeah, St. Cloud would have played in the playoffs. Yeah, Um, and then yeah, that didn't really materialize for them last year. So I, I would imagine that they're probably going to be kind of in the same position of that, you know, five to six range, uh, kind of somewhere, somewhere in there. Brandon Bussey, that's their goalie that got hurt last year. Um, A junior, yeah. At least according to College Hockey News, um, and I, yeah, I was impressed by him. So should have got it from Reddit, and that is the uh, preferred source of information <laughs> on this podcast. But no, I think he's, he's a t- he's a he's a strong goalie when he's on. Uh, so similar to Miami, you get a hot goalie. It's going to give you. It's going to a hot goalie is able to patch over some of a some of your other weaknesses. So. Um. Yeah, I can see them uh, being competitive, if not top half of the conference. It's a team that you know St. Cloud State has always kind of played. I don't know. It, it, it's been we we've had some head scratchers. Um, not only against Western, but you know, you know, even at um at their high school rink that they have. <laughs> what's the, what's their barn called again? You were there, Loss, right? Lawson. Did you have? It's a fun Lawson. It's better than a high school rink. It's it's got an old school kind of barn feel to it. I like it. You didn't like the concessions though, is that it? Oh yeah, that's yeah, those were severely lacking. But and then a crazy kind of student section that doesn't sit down and yells all game long. Can't imagine it's very fun <laughs> to play there as a opponent. Um Yeah, it's uh no, it's a fun it's a fun trip if you ever get out to Kalamazoo. That they've got a lot of they've got a lot of craft breweries, don't they? Yeah, I think we actually did like a recap of Bell's Bell's is uh, 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 Bell's and Founders are great great breweries um, that have. That's usually too hard. It is usually the too hard. It is good. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, fifth, Omaha. I, I feel like Omaha is going to be a team that, in the eyes of the media and whatnot, they're always going to be on the outside looking in. No matter what they have as a makeup, I, I just think in any of these preseason you know polls or whatnot, I don't think they're ever going to get the benefit of a doubt of you know a North Dakota, a Denver, a Minnesota Duluth. Which is somewhat so. somewhat the the flaw of these polls. Um, yeah, is that Denver and North Dakota are kind of going to be, even if they're not strong, they're going to be uh, given a like you said a benefit of the doubt. Whereas 
Omaha still has to kind of prove it. Um, they're a program that seemingly has always been on the rise. Made the tournament last year, which was, I think, a bit of a controversy in that, you know, last year, again, very unusual circumstances and weren't really using the pairwise. Uh, so pretty hard to make the call between two teams just looking at records. And I know it was them in Denver seemingly was up for one of those spots and Denver had a pretty much a 500 record. And I, so I think Omaha got the edge there because their record looked a little bit better uh, than Denver, even though I think Denver beat them five out of six times or something in the season. Remember that being a bit of a, a bit of a controversy, um, which I, I was, I was, I was fine. I was, I was fine having Denver sit out a year in the NCAAs. I didn't yeah. Really I'm cry sick about of that. Denver. I am more than happy of them just never again. I bet you, De- I bet you Denver would have given the Gophers more of a game than Omaha did in the uh, tournament, though. But yeah, that's true. But they would—that was the other thing. They would have been the home team there, even though I'm not sure. I don't think they had fans at that uh, Colorado, the Loveland uh, rink. So maybe the home ice. Oh, well, and Denver doesn't have fans either. <laughs> so maybe the home ice wouldn't. Have, They're too rich to, to to go to hockey games. So maybe that advantage wouldn't have really mattered. But um, yeah, they kind of got uh, blown out of the building, Omaha, in the playoffs or in the NCAA's. But yeah, it's, as you said, they're you know they're an offensive-minded team. Uh, they can put the puck in the net, um, and I thought that that Seville in net for them is is a is a pretty decent goalie. So uh, yeah, I still wouldn't. I guess I'm with the media in this one. I still wouldn't put them in the top half um, unless they can kind of consistently show that they belong there. Uh, but um, a team that I think St. Cloud always has, has matched up well against, um, at least in past years when their styles were sort of similar and they're, they're kind of run-and-gun offenses, uh, St. Cloud seemed to always have the edge, especially with depth. You get down to the third and fourth lines. Um, it's a little skimpier uh, in, in Omaha. Yeah. But... Um, it's Omaha is always a team. It's I I like it wouldn't surprise me wherever they finish, um, because I, I I think they have actual the guns there to finish one two in the league and just really sneak up and surprise someone, and it wouldn't surprise me if everything just falls off, the wheels fall off for them and they finish in seventh. So yeah, one or one or it, if they were first it, or they're, second, they're, they are my biggest question mark. Yeah, if they were first or second, that would surprise me. Um, third to eighth would not surprise me. Uh, I, I don't expect them yeah. to, to win the conference, but mm-hmm. yeah, from when I was kind of doing a little prediction mock prediction, I was flip flopping with them in, in Western. Um, yeah, they are kind of a they are sort of the variable team. I think uh, they could go a lot of different ways, um, and they're they're a team too that's gonna, you know, one week they're gonna they're gonna look great, uh, and then the next week they're gonna lay an egg, uh, and so it's they're a team that seems to struggle with 
in-season consistency in that regard. Yeah, like you said, a bit of a wild card. Primo, Vice, Ward, whatnot. It's, you know, they like you said, they got some goal scorers there. You know, and they can be a fun team to watch. So, But I just, I'm not as high on Seville. Um, I just feel he's been fairly pedestrian. Um, I, I don't know why they didn't give, you know, Roden a little bit more of the look last year and Maybe uh, maybe all of the Omaha Maverick faithful can kind of chime in <laughs> and tell me what I what I'm missing because I just I don't see it. I think that Roden was the was the kid that shut the Huskies out mm-hmm. um, in the in the pod. Um, yeah, the Huskies would have only seen them just the twice during the during that first month, so didn't see a lot of them against the Huskies last year, but um, but uh, yeah, like you said, uh, yeah, that road looked pretty pretty solid against the Huskies. Um, so yeah, who's uh, who did they got in fourth? Boom, fourth Denver with a first place vote. One Denver fan. Well, Den- one Denver. I just one Denver writer. This was the media poll. Yeah, this is the media poll, okay. so it probably was the Denver Raider. And they're, yeah, and they're they're kind of a question mark for me as well. I saw that the preseason All Conference team they had players from every team except two, and they were both it was CC and Denver. And yeah. t- typically, Denver's got some high end guy somewhere, you know, either forward or defense position. Um, so I was a little surprised to see that, uh, that they were shut out of that. Again, not that that is the be all and end all or anything, but, uh, and last year was, a was a bit of a struggle for them. Like I say, it kind of came down to them in Omaha for, for a NCAA spot. And or was it that Denver was under 500? Yeah, that could have been part of the, uh, part of the issue or the controversy, um, they were yeah they they weren't world beaters yeah they were under five hundred they were ten and thirteen yeah and I think it was because they had beaten Omaha five out of six times or something uh, that people were saying that they should get the nod over Omaha which is a compelling argument but it's tough to bring in a to put in a team that's under five hundred um, into the tournament over a Omaha team which had a you know you know much at least a over five hundred record. Um. Yeah, I thought they just it didn't seem like they was the same Denver last year. Uh Huskies played pretty well against them. I thought that they're they lacked, lacked some top end scoring. I thought they were pretty solid defensively. Uh but um lacking the scoring touch. Um I what was there uh they have a uh they had a freshman last year who was impressive. Um Savoy. Savoy, I think. Carter Savoy. He, I think of the four or five goals that they scored against the Huskies, I think he scored three or four of them. Um, Stapley also. And Olszewski, too. Olszewski, Cole, Cole Gutman, former uh, Husky uh, recruit. Oh, Husky um, but, but, I mean, as far as, you know, goal scoring, you know, really it was it was Savoy or Gutman, and then after that yeah, it, it was top-heavy. I mean... The next leading 
looks like Hank Crone had five goals, and he only played 13 games. So, I mean, that's that that's a lot of work, you know, to depend on just those two guys, and you're not gonna. That's not gonna fly in this league. It's just not gonna happen. And you said they were uh, active in the transfer portal, bringing in a hundred point scorer. I think you had mentioned that. Uh, yep. That might help them with their uh, with their scoring depth. Magnus Krona, um, pretty solid. Uh, Two years ago, and pretty very very strong. Name. Yeah. Uh, last year kind of took a step back, but um, still, I think a pretty quality goaltender. And I just I don't know I don't I don't uh, like fourth sounds like the right spot. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I that, that I don't see whoever did that first place. Goal. I actually put him third because I hate Duluth. Um, that's me being uh, uh that's me being in the that's the emotional side that's my heart not my head um my head would put him fourth but and and, and what Duluth at 5 <laughs> I put Duluth, I put Duluth at fourth I did think I did uh, think about putting Omaha above him but that would just that would just be trolling at that point uh, a little bit uh North Dakota 3 also won uh first base vote I mean it's North Dakota I mean, they lost a lot <laughs> they lost so, um, you know, but they're always able to just kind of reload and, you know, you know, they've had quite a few people, you know, end up turning pro um, and whatnot. But it's, yeah, it's, you know, I'm sick of them. I hate North Dakota. I don't think that's any surprise. Sanders, too, Sanderson's still there? Uh, Sanderson's still there, yeah. He was very impressive last year. Um, thought that he might... Uh... I mean, he certainly looks NHL ready. So I thought that he might have bolted, but he's a, he's a force from the from the back end uh, to you know offensive threat from the from the point. Um, and you had mentioned last week Zach Driscoll uh, brought in. He's like the uh, uh, he's the Octavio Dotel of of college hockey if I, if any of you are baseball fans. He's like the guy that played for 15 teams. Um, this was Driscoll's third program. Started at St. Cloud, obviously. Didn't exactly work out here. Uh, resurrected his career at Bemidji, which, you know, they made a tournament run last year. All They made the tournament last year. And he had two, three solid years there. And now he gets to finish it off uh, as, uh, as North Dakota's starter this year and just expecting the strength of Dakota's back end uh, uh, he's going to be uh, he's going to put up some good numbers you know that's the thing about you know goalies and the system that they play in you know Cam Johnson I thought was not a terrific goalie there but you know one wins a national title based on the fact that uh, you know, he's got a really strong defensive core in front of him um, and yeah, and, and Johnson was a was a good goalie. Obviously, I'm not trying to short change him, but um, what was the? They brought in a. Uh, there's a good example of that is they brought in a Saunders from Huntsville, 
you look at you look at Saunders is this was six seven years ago, and they brought in if you look at Saunders' numbers when he's at Huntsville, I mean, the record was terrible, but then even the goals against and the save percentage was you know, pedestrian at best. But he spends a year at North Dakota, and all of a sudden he's sub sub two goals against, and he's save percentage is is looking pretty hot. Uh, what a difference a defensive unit makes. Um, but I think that obviously Driscoll's shown uh, in his time at Bemidji, shown a, certainly a, a capability of of, of being a, a quality backstop there. Uh, and so, so I don't expect him to, to lose a step here. Uh, if anything, he could take a step um, playing with a with a with a good team in front of him. So. Uh, yeah, they're not- I'm always, I'm always really interested in you know, you know he's coming from Bemidji, who is very much system oriented, trap style, defensive type of structure. Um, so I I I don't know how well it's going to translate to to North Dakota, but. You know, he he was a very good backstop, and I guess we'll kind of see where we're where we're gonna end up and where we're gonna be um, with him when 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 it's all said and done after the season. And you know, when everything kind of went through, you know, with Husky, there was always that you know kind of a lot of people feel like we did not give Driscoll. Um, and, you know, tough to say if we did or didn't or whatnot, and things kind of shaped out how they did. And, uh, you know, I, I, from all, everything I said, you know, he, he wanted to find more playing time. He found more playing time and now things, I mean, he's, you know, going to be backstepping for North Dakota. So can't, can't, can't say things didn't work out for him. So, yeah, I wonder if there was some behind the scenes issues here. Yeah, he kind of I actually one of those Kalamazoo trips. He he was in net uh, when I was there and I, he did not he did not look good. I think it was like a 6 to 5 game or something like that. Um but uh yeah, watching them a little bit last year with with Bemidji um he seemed to really uh, find himself there. Uh, yeah, I think with I, I don't think here here's the thing. I, I mean I, I don't think he's gonna win goalie of the year maybe but I I don't think he's the best goalie um, but I don't think North Dakota's success is gonna hinge on on Driscoll I think it's gonna be their um, their scoring depth if they're able to you know cover their losses that they got that they had last year. I think they're going to be a tough team. I, as always, that's not a surprise. Uh, they're going to be a tough, tough team to play, and um, and they're going to be right there at the top. Uh, you know, fighting for the, fighting for the Penrose. Yeah, because it was, it was Driscoll or Jeff Smith were our goalies. Right. That would that would have been that sixteen seventeen. Sixteen year. seventeen. Yeah, that was a, that was a rough year. Um, so that was uh, so they were picked for third. That means means the Bulldogs. Um, 
Yeah, I just want to quick bit go back to North oh, yeah. Dakota about just just everything that they've lost. Um, you know, with you know the somewhat recent signing, I guess, or you know that Jasper Weather Weatherby. Yeah, he. I mean, he's gone. Gabe Bast is gone. Colin Adams, uh, Grant Mishmash, Shane Pinto, Bernard Docker, Kierstead, Kawaguchi. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's some lot. heavy hitters. That's a lot. That's a lot to replace. But you know, they're 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 going to get the benefit of the doubt. They're going to get the name, you know, that you know probably they're going to get picked higher than maybe they should be. But and it looks like they got they got some. Uh... Incoming freshman draftees, maybe some leg- mm-hmm. legacy kids here. There's a Bowen, uh, a Schmaltz, um, and uh, uh, looks like a Buffalo draftee, Constantini. They're able to recruit well, and uh, I would ex- yes. I would expect that uh, we're going to be pretty familiar with those names that I just mentioned. Um, throughout the year um yeah tough tough as always and uh and yeah and coming off last year where they they were the number one overall seed coming into the tournament uh and lost that uh marathon that marathon marathon game to uh duluth um you know that's if that gives them some extra uh you know, motivation for this year uh, that can only help them. So, so yeah, like I said, they're they are going to be a contender. Well, it'll be only motivation for about half the team, considering yeah, how suppose. many people. Left. I suppose. Oh, uh, number two, Minnesota Duluth, um, only one uh, point ahead. Um, you know, when you count total points, 143, 142 for North Dakota. So, 143. Minnesota Duluth, uh, a favorite of Andrew, um, absolutely loves everything about uh, Minnesota Duluth. So everything about him. I am the chairperson of the Scott Stanlin fan club. Yeah, we. Um, yeah, they just have this ability to just—I don't know—just dryly beat you into submission find a way um yeah they're, they're able to find a way they're able to muck it out and i always i always kind of blink on like who they even have um and then when i see them play i'm like oh wow okay yeah they're you know they've got some depth they've got some tenacity to them so it's I don't know it's it's kind of weird for where I'm at with Minnesota Duluth, um, you know I know you stand a little more on the negative side than I am about it, but it's I don't know it's this is a team that I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching again I I can see them you know anywhere first to sixth. It, 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 you know, I I just I I feel like this team is kind of a wild card. Agreed. I yeah, it's hard for me to to be objective about about Duluth, um, but I'll try to give them some good. I mean, obviously they're a, a well-run program. As you said, it, it, even when they were winning their titles, um, 
never had a point per game forward. Uh, they're always it seemed to be like they're a team of like they got four second lines. You know, they don't have a number one line really, but they don't have a bad line either. Uh, and they're just a, they're a working team. Um, and yeah. they, they always seem to find, I mean, I think their strength, obviously with like guys like Perunovic winning the Hobie a few years ago, solid back end on the team, something, a system where you can plug and play a goalie. You saw that last year. They kind of were doing a platoon um, with Fanti and then Stayskull. Uh, and both of them, Actually, I think didn't both of them appear in that uh, marathon game? I, I, one of them got hurt. I thought he won like the fourth overtime or something. Um, so even in within a game, they can they can rotate the goalies and find it uh, find a workable solution. They're just a tough out. <laughs> they're they're a team that uh, I mean I was assuming that they were. Once they won that, well, actually, once they got the uh, the Michigan game canceled, the, the COVID cancellation, I just kind of assumed that uh, here here comes another another title for Duluth. Pretty shocked when when UMass beat them. Uh, in retrospect, though, maybe it would have been better for the Huskies to play them in the title game. Um, yeah, it probably would have been. At least it would have been a known <laughs> opponent for the Huskies. Um, Versus, I think that UMass is just something they hadn't seen before. But uh, yeah, no, they're they're going to be. It's you, you just you have to beat them in order for them not to win the whole thing, and that's becoming a tough task. They're a very tough out, uh, and so and so I expect them to be. I expect them to be top half. Um, I, like I said, I had them fourth, but but lots of. Uh, yeah, they 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 were a team that would not surprise me if they were number one. So, I forgot how crazy that game was. Well, you had the uh... and not and not just the five overtimes, the fact that there was no scoring in the first and second period, and then the third period saw four goals, and and it saw Minnesota Duluth take a two nothing lead with. Under two minutes left to go right. in the game. And then uh, pulled their goalie, and then, yeah, Colin Adams scored, and then Kawaguchi scored. Was it, was it two, two extra attacker goals? Yep. And then you had the uh, the Duluth goal in overtime overturned, which I, mm-hmm. even me being a pretty, having a strong hatred of, the Bulldogs, I thought I did not agree with that call. Uh, and I, w- I w- wouldn't it have been better if that would have just been the end of the game. Was the other four overtimes worth it? Some people think that it's just the length of the game. Like you don't see the five overtimes every day. You know, it's a rare event. Sometimes that, that gives it the, uh, the boost. But I, I mean, a lot of the second, third, fourth overtime, I mean, there wasn't a ton of action. Uh, in those. Yeah. That's the thing that, you know, kind of for me, and even the game-winning goal was, I mean, nothing really right. to home about. Yeah, the the, the, the original goal, the first in the in the overtime, the one that they waved off, that was a pretty yeah. impressive goal. And, 
but that gets into reviews. And, but I remember, I can't remember if it was the third or fourth overtime, but that's when I went to bed because I watched that overtime and I'm like, nobody's doing anything. Well, and one, and like, one of those overtimes, I think it was the fourth, is when the... I can't remember if Stayskull or Fanti started, but one of them like cramped up, and they had uh, Stayskull started. So Fanti came in. Then Fanti came. Then you're thinking they're like cold goalie, you know, fourth overtime, but they were able to weather that storm or they, you know overcome that that unforeseen challenge. Yeah, that was uh, that was a game that happened. You know, Jackson Cates, uh, Cole Kepke, and uh, Nick Sweeney all are leaving or they all left the room. I mean, that's a lot of their offense. And that's, I, I, I don't know how easily a team like Duluth can replace that much offense. Um, you know, they still have some, you know, obviously some solid players and some good scorers, but not nearly, you know, to the level of a Nick Swain or anything like that. So you know, Noah Cates is still there. So he's, I think he's just going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Saw that they brought in this uh, Gilling, Casey Gilling. He was a Miami guy. Pretty decent year a couple years ago. 31 points in 34 games. Um, and, and yeah, I, uh, like I said, I think they've always been a defensive first team. But as you said, that Sweeney, Cates, uh, combo at the for their number one that was the majority of their scoring last year jackson cates yeah who and what the noah cates he's he's still around Noah, yeah noah's still there yeah but i believe kobe roth is still there but like you said it's you know it's their plug and play it's their defensive they're able to muck it out grind it out and whatnot and i think i don't know where the offense is going to come from but uh, if they're able to find it, they'll they'll be a contender for the top top of the conference. Yeah. So as far as so the media poll was St. Cloud, uh, Duluth, North Dakota, Denver, Omaha, Western Michigan, Miami, and CC. Yep. I've got St. Cloud at number one. UND two. Duluth three. Uh, excuse me, Denver 3, Duluth 4, Western Michigan 5, Omaha 6, Miami 7, CC 8. Not a ton of not a ton of uh, variance, but a little bit of in the middle there kind of shuffled around. Uh, any uh you got you got a top 8 or a, a, a predicted um, standings? Yeah, my top 8 actually is was very close to the media poll. Um St. Cloud State number 1. Um, I did have um, North Dakota number two, just because again they're able to reload. Um, for number three, I did have. Um, let me get my tab back open because of course I lost it. Um, I had Denver, uh, Minnesota, Duluth, and then I had Omaha five, Western Michigan, uh, Miami, and Colorado. So really, just we only differ in Western and in Omaha. Flip-flopping, though. Western Omaha flipped. Yep. And, again, like so many of these, like you said, one through six, I don't know how much of a surprise. Like you said, Omaha, you said, what, you topped them out at three? Three to eight? I mean... You had Omaha somewhere in there? Yeah. So, I, 
it's, I mean, you know, Minnesota Duluth, I, I can see them laying an egg and going down to six. You know, seven and eight, I feel, are pretty cemented. I would agree with um, that. Denver, I mean, they could have the same year that they just had this last year. Um, North Dakota, you never know with the new people coming in. You know, they're always able to reload, but you, I don't know. It's It'll be an interesting season, especially, you know, when things are, quote-unquote, back to normal or a little bit more to normal, see, see, see where we end up. And, I, um, you know, and, and the St. Cloud pick is – basically just homerism for my part. I mean, I can't say that I'm cementing them into number one and anything else will be a disappointment. This is a tough conference. We've, we've, got, we've gotten to know that uh, over the years, and um, part of the, you know, part of the media poll you know, coming up with us, he's number one, a lot of that might be based on last year's, you know, result and, uh, Last year's teams, they're not playing the games this year. So we just got to figure out how the games shake out. Uh, we'll be able to, to figure out how these teams really stack up. But I'm, ex- and, I'm excited. And, and that's where it's, it's a combination for me of the homerism, but also just familiarity. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. essentially the same group. Um, so it's. You know, we we didn't have a lot of the shuffle that a lot of other teams did, and we've got that benefit. Correct. So that's uh, that's where I go to um, for the preseason all conference team: uh, Mietnan and Perbix uh, for St. Cloud State. Sanderson, like you said, you know, holy cow, was he impressive? Um, uh, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Hattard for Western Michigan. I was like, oh, okay. Um, Noah Cates, Chase Primo uh, rounded out the uh, forwards, and then, uh, like you said, for Miami uh, Pearson, it's it, it like you said, it's interesting for Pearson. You said, yeah, he can he can he can he can steal some games, but this this clearly isn't a league where it's goalie driven, <laughs> and I think this is probably maybe an instance where. It might be Driscoll being, you know, the goaltender of the year front runner right now. I would probably put him there. I would I would lean him over Rennick for front runner. And you're certainly putting him against the guy that they actually chose, Pearson. Pearson, yes. I, it was just a surprise. I think he's a good goalie. I just I was surprised that they that he would get the nod there. Uh, I would probably agree with uh, with um, Driscoll over Herenak, um, but I might be bearish on Herenak. Uh, yeah, no, a strong. Yeah, like I said, strong. Would, would you take Would you take Driscoll over Jeff Smith right now? <laughs> right now, so twenty eight year old Jeff Smith. Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah, I think I'd take Driscoll uh, over <laughs> over Smith. Um, my, our our next segment of where are they now? We should we should do a segment of where are they now of just third and fourth line husky players and just seeing what random league they ended up in. Some British league. Some 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 British league or you know they signed an 
ECHL contract for seven games and then flamed out. Or just like um, some guy who's like selling insurance now. I'm sure there's a couple right. of those. If you yeah, are a if you are a, a former insurance or real estate, that's that's it, always the go to. If you're a former husky who now sells insurance, we could use a sponsor. So there we go. Let us know. We'll we'll put it front and center. We got no, there's no shame in our game. So we're here. We are about you know an hour twenty or so into the podcast. Um, uh, we have a game this next weekend. Correct. So. So, uh, going up against the Tommies and, um, uh, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what type of team Tommies, um, you know, what, what it's going to be like, you know, they're, they clearly do not have a lot of, uh, you know, players that were on the Tommy roster last year. It's, it's a lot of transfers and, um, a lot of people can, can kind of coming in and whatnot, a lot of hodgepodge of players and it's you know people are i feel people are thinking this is going to be a walk in the park and i do feel the huskies will sweep i i don't think we're going to boat race them both times um just because i don't uh, you know these aren't also rants you know i think there's still solid players in here yeah i agree i I'd count on at least on one of these games being tight. Um, it's uh, I, I can't I can't say that my teeth are chattering about this, but for some reason I don't like that they're playing them right off the bat. Like it's a completely unknown team. Like they've never uh, this will be their first games as a D one program. So obviously you don't even have any scouting reports or anything from last year. I mean, other than the, the, the transfer guys that they brought in. So you're really kind of playing a black box. Uh, you're not even sure. And then not only that, no exhibition games for us. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, and granted, I mean, again, same squad as last year. So maybe we don't, wouldn't need it as much, but it'd be nice to get maybe a little bit of the freshman's feet wet or yeah. whatnot, but it's, it's just right off the hop. Here you go. Yeah, so I'm a little, I would have rather, I mean, again, I don't, I, I think the Huskies should be able to handle them, um, but kind of would be one of those things. I'd rather them play them three weeks from now rather than right off the bat. Um, and just as we said, uh, I had mentioned last week that um, Peter Tomey transferred from North Dakota. Uh, I would expect him to be a net for the Tommies, and the Huskies have seen him. A few times over the years, um, and again, like I was saying about uh, Saunders, the guy that uh, North Dakota brought in from Huntsville, you know, t- Tommy put up some decent numbers uh, two years ago. I, he had more playing time than he did last year, um, but he's going to be playing in a, a behind a team in St. Thomas that is not close to what North Dakota was. Um, so he's going to be seeing a lot more shots. And uh, the the challenge is going to be a lot higher for him um, playing for St. Thomas, but but I think he's a quality goalie, and you know hockey's a sport where it's just there's so few scoring that the possibility of stealing a game here and there is is going to be a lot 
the, the chances of them winning a couple of games or they get outshot two to one, those kind of situations. It's going to happen a few times this year. Um, so, again, I, I'm thinking the Huskies should be able to handle them well, but unknown opponent, uh, you know, and a team that you just don't know what you're facing. Um, that works against St. Thomas as well. They they obviously haven't been able to play as a unit. Um, as you said, they're not really returning many of their guys last year, which they played, obviously, a D3 schedule last year. I think they only played nine games. Um, so, you know, they didn't have much of a year uh, last year. Um, and bringing in a lot of guys uh, seeming, you know, seemingly guys that weren't able to crack rosters elsewhere. Um, I did see that they brought in uh, John Schultz from Omaha, who's the brother of uh, Jimmy Schultz, who, when the Huskies played Omaha, I, you know, just the name sticks out because he's a familiar, it's a familiar name for Husky fans. Um, I thought he was decent. Um, uh, Versich from CC, they brought him in. Again, he was a kind of a depth guy for the Tigers. I think he, I think he might have played at St. Thomas Academy, so um, I might be wrong about that, but uh, he's a guy that whose name was familiar as well, just scrolling through the roster. But a lot of uh, NAHL guys, uh, a lot of, you know, Atlantic hockey transfers um, that they brought in. Um, when you had said last week, uh, I was surprised to learn that St. Thomas is is under that uh, postseason ban uh, for five years, which definitely that's a big that's a big deal. Uh, as you said, makes recruiting pretty tough. Um, yeah, you know, are you really going to go to a place that you know is is has no opportunity of making the NCAA's for? for five years. Um, so I would expect them to, and I saw that they were picked as, uh, as the last place team in the CCHA. I would kind of expect that, that sort of doormat status to be in place until, until they can uh, get free of that postseason ban. I, you know, I was kind of wondering, you know, I, I, I was surprised. I don't know about you. I was surprised to hear that Blasey got that job. Um, I mean, he's obviously been a successful coach. He was at Miami for 20 years, and and uh, up until their NCHC run, I mean, he was always pretty. You know, he almost won the national title. Don't want to bring that up to Miami fans. And they gave up two two late goals against BU, um, but you know, consistently made the tournament for that uh, for Miami. Including that flutter puck, yeah, which that is was just still the weirdest goal. Well, that was the winner. Like I, that was the overtime yeah. winner, and yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was a good game. I remember watching that game. Um, but I was more surprised not that the fact that he's not an established coach, not a good coach, just that you know he, he's not a Minnesota guy. I thought it was a surprise that I, I figured that they would have brought someone in that was a little bit more local and more familiar with the recruiting f- footprint that I'm guessing that St. Thomas is going to be uh, getting its players from. You know, he was a guy that I thought when, when Miami moved to the NCHC, his uh, recruiting base was always kind of the Chicago area. You know, he'd be fighting like Notre Dame um, 
and those and those other CCHA teams, old CCHA teams, uh, for that for it's a Chicago land, and then you know Columbus, Ohio, kind of that area, and moving to the NCHC, you know when them and Western Michigan were kind of the outliers geographically from a recruiting standpoint, didn't seem like he was really able to modify his recruiting approach. And I think that was a big reason why Miami was consistently a a second half of the standings team. So to have him now in, in charge uh, in, in the twin cities and again, trying to, Use that as your recruiting base. You're now now you're recruiting against the Gophers. You're recruiting against Mankato and St. Cloud and Duluth and all these other teams that have that are more familiar quantities at the D1 level. Obviously, people around Minnesota know St. Thomas well. It's just they're not an established program at the D1 level. So I was a bit a bit surprised to see him get that gig. But uh, if if not. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not going to win the CCHA anytime soon, I don't think. But but I think you're going to be insured of the fact that you're going to get a good effort uh, from the team. Uh, he's a very, uh, you know, energetic uh, coach that I think players enjoy playing for. So I think his big, uh, his big uh, goal, you know, using this five-year window, my initial reaction after learning about their postseason ban was that Boy, that's you know, that's got to be tough for for Blasi, and and, and we think that that would make the job uh, less attractive. But in a sense, it's a nice, it's a decent situation because you got basically five years of year zero, uh, where you're building your program. You don't really have you know high expectations. No one's really expecting you to win anything. Their big thing too, I think, is they need to get a, a facility. Um, they are basically it's the uh, St. Thomas rink which the high school program uses, and it's a thousand seat capacity rink that's really not up to D1 standards. Um, they got you know one thing that St. Thomas is not in in need of is money, uh, so I'm I'm guessing that they can scrounge together uh, some donations and and use some of that uh, half billion dollar endowment. Uh, to build a facility in the next five years, and I think once that's in place, uh, seeing as maybe that's going to be the time once they're eligible for postseason play, then we can really find out what the long-term uh, success of that program is going to be. I'm excited that there's another Minnesota team in uh, in the mix, um, and they have a lot of they've got a lot of advantages. Like I said the the money is there; they're in a great geographical spot. They're already in a conference. They don't have to go through the Arizona State or any of these other, uh, you know, Alaska schools that are trying to reboot their programs. The big big thing for those kind of programs is they don't have a home. They don't have a conference to play in. Well, St. Thomas already figured that out. So, so I think that you're not going to find a, a ton of W's in in the next few years. But long term, I expect them to be a, a, a viable program um, and. But just for for the for this weekend, and like you said, expecting uh, Huskies to to, to uh, take care of them pretty well. But like I said, I'm going to say one of those games is going to be is going to be tight. And, and we should say that Sunday game uh, is going to be at the Excel Center, um, so the Huskies will not be playing in that uh, 
in that smaller their, their home rink. Um, I'm wondering how many of their. It looks like at this time that's the only game that St. Thomas is uh, playing at the X for now, but that that could change, and I wouldn't be surprised if if they do move a another game or two. Not only just to the X, but there's there's other rinks uh, in the area that they could that they could play a game here or there at. So um, expecting success for the Huskies this weekend, but also intrigued to see what exactly St. Thomas is because again we just don't know really anything about them. Um, yeah, and you know going back to talking about the um, like the arena and that situation, it's. You know, they're also, you know, kind of at a point where the norm isn't now the five to six to seven thousand seat arenas. Um, you know, Colorado College right. just built one just a couple thousand and that might suit, you know, Saint Thomas as well. I guess I don't exactly know what the enrollment of Saint Thomas is, but you know, very famously Colorado College is a very small enrollment. I think their enrollment's only what, like twenty five hundred, something like that. So, um, you know, and again, that's probably not a money thing, but it might be just a space thing. Like, just where do you build? Yeah. Um, you know, something along those lines. So, um, I wanted to go down, you know, kind of quickly go just down the roster here of just the the teams that they've, you know, found players. Um, where they where they just played at. So obviously, Tome, North Dakota, Trevor Zins, played played here at St. Cloud State. Didn't get a lot of ice time. Um, you know, Mass Lowell, Ohio State, uh, uh, Northern Michigan, Bemidji, Anchorage, Omaha. You know, it's the Mercyhurst, Colorado College, Mankato. You know, the, they're still d1 talent so you know to expect us to just kind of roll over i think is probably just a little ahead of ourselves yeah look um, looking at those especially especially because we don't also know what brodzinski's um what his status is you know i can guess that he's not playing um and you know i guess maybe i should have done a little bit more research to see if there's anything out there about it um but, you know, I would be surprised if he was that he was actually on the ice um, already from a shattered femur. <laughs> so it's, you know, to see that he's skating and whatnot and participating in line in in line rushes and whatnot has been kind of a surprise to me. So, you know, I I, I, I don't know. It's it'll it'll be an interesting weekend. You know, you know a lot of hubbub also in that. Um, uh, game at the XL Energy Center, so we'll we'll see what see what happens there. But yeah, it just it might be something that something a little bit weird happens. So yeah, yeah, that uh, uh, Lovin is the he played at Northern Michigan for a couple of years, and then he transferred last year or maybe even the year before. He's played he was their leading scorer last year again. They played nine games, and I think he had ten or eleven points. So he's a guy that has D1 experience a, a few years ago, uh, but he was he's one of the few guys that w- was on the team last year and is, is still on the team uh, this year. Um, he was a – oh, and also I did see uh, – Mc, uh, McLovin? 
Uh, yeah. Uh, Grant, Grant McLovin. Uh, East Grand Forks kid. I also did see a familiar name on there, Cameron Reckie, uh, the son of uh, Mark Reckie, who's a uh, NHL Hall of Famer. Uh, and so wondering if he's going to get any action. He's a – I don't think he has a – he was not a transfer. I think he was a, a, a just a plain recruit. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I – I'm excited to see the Huskies, you know, to see how their return to the ice is going to be, but also this, uh, just this great unknown of, of what St. Thomas is going to bring uh, to the action. It, it should be an interesting weekend. Um, and it's, uh, it's you know, I hesitate to just uh, – you know, give this weekend two W's and move on. We can't do that. But you look at this uh, non-conference schedule for the Huskies. It doesn't get any easier uh, than St. Thomas. It's a it's a uh, gauntlet of all NCAA, uh, NCAA qualifying teams from last year, with the exception of St. Thomas. You got Mankato coming up. Got the Gophers. Got Wisconsin back on the schedule for the first time in a while. Uh, we got Wisconsin at home. At home. Like, how did we even swing that? They traveled. <laughs> like, that doesn't I bet, I bet Mike Eves isn't the coach there anymore. Um, <laughs> and then Bemidji got a, a Bemidji home-and-home home kind of uh, New Year's weekend as well. So it's a local schedule. You know, you're only – you're not going out of the state of Minnesota at all, um, which is kind of kind of cute. Um, but – the quality is definitely there, and that's uh, that's going to help their strength of schedule as well. And obviously, the NCHC schedule is no no uh, easy task uh, itself. I, I was actually just looking at the schedules of of the local you know Minnesota teams. Uh, everyone seems to be playing tough schedules, which I like to see. There's not a ton of of gimmies um, uh, on there. So uh, I'm excited to see, uh, yeah, that first month of the season where everyone's kind of playing uh, non-conference is always a fun time of year. And, uh, yeah, look, looking forward to seeing this year's version of the Huskies. Yeah, we'll be we'll be tournament ready, um, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I do have a little bit of a confession to make. If you would have told me prior to this episode – and asked me if Mark Recchi was in the Hall of Fame, I think I would have said no. I, I'm just going – I mean, he had like 600 goals. I'm assuming he's in the NHL Hall of Fame. Or the, the hockey, hockey Hall of Fame. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, he is. Yeah, 2017. But I I always thought he'd be like See, in the who Hall need, who of needs very fact, good. who needs fact checks? I, I, yeah. I can just go with my – I mean, I'm getting this off Wikipedia. So I guess like Reddit light, I guess. I don't know. In the nineties, um, after the Stars left, uh, my favorite team was the Flyers, um, and so I even go back to like the Legion of Doom line: Eric Lindros, who's my favorite player, uh, Lindros, Leclaire, Michael Renberg, Recky came in there. I think ninety six, ninety seven, when they made their one of their uh, Cup final runs. So yeah, I'm a uh, and and I believe did did Recky wear number eight. My the number I wore uh, for all my sports growing up was eight, so I have a uh, an affinity for for players that that wore that number. And so yeah, I've always been a fan of Recky, and he's he's stuck around for forever. He was probably forty when he when he retired. 
Um, yeah, he made his NHL debut in, de, 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 debut in uh, 88, 88, 89. And he probably retired like, like 2013. 2011. So over 20 years, yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Fifteen thirty-three points, uh, sixteen fifty-two games played. Wow. Well, wonder if the uh, if the kids got any of that uh, any of that scoring touch. And also, like that, you know, they talk about you know sometimes you you hear like on Twitter it'll be like you know quote this with your you know, like the player you wish like had a full career with no injuries or wasn't like, what could they have done? And, you know, when you're talking about Linderos, I mean, Linderos yeah. is definitely on that list. He took a ton of like, shit what? for that too. Uh, he was a guy that, I mean, every time he got hurt, people are like, you know, he's a pussy, he's soft, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. I always thought he had a, he had bad rap. Yeah. He, he was a guy that when he was, I mean, he had sort of the built-in haters because he did the, you know, the, the Nordiques drafted him and he did the I ain't yeah. playing there. And so I think that sort of got him off on the wrong foot for a lot of folks. But he had such high expectations. And in his prime, which was a short prime because of those injuries, I mean, he was one of the best players in the league. Yep. And, you know, going back to the, you know, his – you know, being so injury prone and like, you know, being called a pussy and all that. And it's like, it, it just shows you how far because that we've gone as, you know, we learn more about CTE right. and science and whatnot of it. It's like, like, wow. Yeah. That wasn't good that, you know, we just, uh, you know, just kind of accepted head injuries as, you know, whatever, just, Oh, you just got your bell yeah, around. Yeah. yeah. Hike up the skirt, you know, yeah, play with exactly. play with your brain injury, um, yeah, and, and score a couple of goals. Yeah, so you were you were on the right side of history on that one for 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 Lindros. So, so yeah, on the back. I suppose it didn't stop me from uh, criticizing Joe Mauer grounding into second base every at bat, but he had his uh, his that was his, his bilateral concussion, leg his concussion. Weakness, oh, he so. had some concussion issues as well. No, I, I, I yeah. Bilateral a, leg weakness. That's a classic. It's up there. Uh, I do wonder, like, for twins, though, for Byron Buxton. I bet. But anyway. I don't well, know. And then they, I mean, Morneau as well. He was in the Hall of Fame, their Hall of Fame this weekend, and he's another guy that his career was pretty much derailed by concussions. Yeah. The the great what if uh, in Minnesota sports. Exactly. So, well, I suppose that about does her. So, sounds you know, just, good. Just just your you know hour forty five minute podcast to start. <laughs> We're coming out swinging. Yeah. Well, we will <laughs> so, be back uh, next week sometime. Um, yep. Sometime next week we'll probably do this uh, about about weekly. Um, you know, my schedule is pretty hectic. Um, Andrew's schedule also, you know, up in the air, pretty hectic as well. So, but, um, we like getting this outlet. 
and um, you know we appreciate everybody who did listen and whatnot. We're not we're not doing this, uh, you know, to try to get famous or whatnot. We're just a couple of schmucks who like to talk college hockey. So, indeed. I mean, I'll speak for myself when I say schmucks. I guess I shouldn't. Oh, I think I qualify as schmuck. That's, that's there for you sure. Go. God, just an underrated word. <sighs> I was I was golfing yesterday. <laughs> My golf partner called me a dweeb. And I'm like, God, I got we should bring dweeb back. Dweeb is good. <sighs> anyway. So, um thank you so much for listening and um we'll be back uh next week uh, and uh we will um yeah, hopefully recap uh two wins and uh four goals by uh, Jack Pert. That's, there we go. Uh, that's that's what I'm going for. So, thank you so much, everybody. Go Huskies. Bye now.